You are listening to the Quite Useless Podcast. We are now joined by Wendy Wolfson, a storyteller, counsellor and facilitator of Out of Harm, which is a new multidisciplinary art project being shown in Glasgow this week and that mixes film and photography and storytelling to share young people's experiences of self-harm. Hello Wendy. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, thank you for um, having me. Well, when me and Erin were talking about sort of you coming on the podcast and stuff, Erin shared a very interesting fact about the name Wendy. Would you like to... Sh- you probably know it, <laughs> seeing as it, it's your name. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was made for Peter Pan, the story. That's what it was made for. It wasn't a name before Peter Pan. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's my, that my fact. Indeed. Uh, apparently the name comes from J.M. Barry. had a, a, a wee friend, I forget her name, a six-year-old girl, and she used to call him her friend, her Fwendy. Yeah. You're my Fwendy. <laughs> and he took the name Wendy from that. So the story goes. Okay. Well, that's cute. I, did, nice. I, I looked it up on Wikipedia before this interview. <laughs> and yeah, that's the case. I also found out that uh, the name Gary was first used by Gary Cooper. Oh, right. It wasn't his name, he was Paul Cooper or something. Right. And he adopted Gary Cooper because his agent lived in Gary, Indiana. Oh. That was the first time it was used as a given name. Oh, how interesting. Didn't interesting. know that. Yeah, right. could you think of Gary? Like, there's always been Gary's. Yeah. Names are weird, yeah. though. Yeah. So. You should check out your own names. Do you know the origins of your... My name means Ireland. <laughs> so Does it? Yeah, Ireland. it just means yeah. Ireland. Ah, right. And you've got a really interesting middle name. Yes. Hepzibah. Hips, hip. or Hepsiba. Right. Where Which does that come from? It's Typical. Hebrew and it means my delight is in her. Oh, wow. That's so. beautiful. It's a, it's a character in the Bible, isn't it? It's a woman. Yeah, it's also it's in the Bible, yeah. yeah. So I'm also beautiful. in the Bible. Thank you. Uh, I feature quite heavily <laughs> uh, as a river. Um, and my name actually means flowing down in Hebrew, which of course makes sense. Right. Mm, yeah. Wow. But uh, we're not here to talk about names. We're here to no. talk about Out of Harm, which is a, a new project um, that you're you've been developing over the past yeah. few weeks. So, how would you describe the project? The project is about exploring self harm. So, the purpose of it was to provide a, a space and an opportunity for people to share their own experiences about around self harm, whatever shape or form that took. Um, not necessarily for people who have self-harmed or are currently self-harming, but maybe they know somebody who's self-harmed. Um, so there's two strands to the project. One is providing that therapeutic space for people to explore the stories of self-harm. And the other is to develop a toolkit to provide um, an accessible and appropriate language for adults um, either professional or just families who come into contact with young people who may disclose self-harm to them and they don't know what to say. Mm. So these are the two main strands. Obviously self-harm is such a, um, a big challenging subject. Why did you decide that this was something important to do a project about? One of my roles is working as a counsellor with Childline on the helplines and just about Every, every second contact that you have, if not more, um, the the coping mechanism 
with so many young people is to self-harm mm. and it comes in many different shapes and forms self-harm and it's I, I just was really I was really shocked I've been working there for almost a year now and I was really shocked to discover that self-harming was so prevalent um, I work as a therapeutic storyteller and I started to put two and two together but the main trigger for me was actually talking to a GP um, back in April and he said he found out I worked at Childline he said what do you do when young people disclose about self-harm how, how do you deal with that because I don't know what to do and I again shocked because this is a GP who also works in safeguarding in his community mm. and he's asking me how do I cope when a young person discloses self-harm I, th I thought this is just quite unbelievable um, and I started to look into it further and when you hear the young I started really listening more, even more closely to the young people when they were contacting the, the helpline and uh, one of the things that we might do is say you know like go to your, your GP have you thought about talking to your GP is there a teacher that you trust um, a, a member of your family that you feel you can talk to about mm. this and the answer is always no because they, they're scared that the adult won't know how to respond to them. There's a lot of shame and guilt and fear and these people become desperately isolated and alone. And I, and I just thought there's, there's a, a, a link missing here and the link is the language. And what we need to do is develop an accessible language, not a counselling language, but something simple and guidelines that are really clear and easy to follow for any adult, whether a professional or, like I said, just a family member um, or a friend, who, so that they would know how to respond when somebody tells them that they're self-harming. It does seem to be something that has a really disproportionate stigma around it. Obviously, there's a lot of stigma surrounding you know mental health which as, yeah. and as we're recording this it's, it's world's mental health awareness yeah. week um but i remember i, I started self-harming when i was 13 and i remember going to the doctors for the first time and they were entirely unequipped to to deal with it and it really felt like throughout and i subsequently went to, to counseling sessions and stuff mm -hmm. and it really felt like a, a sort of big elephant in the room that you were afraid to talk about you know you could be open about depression about anxiety about things like that but self-harm is a big thing that you're yeah. afraid to mention yeah so it sounds like really useful if there's some kind of way that you can break that down yeah um, yeah and it's it's interesting because it's really very simple um <laughs> it really is it's it's very i think it's very simple uh you need to take the power out of it the young person says i'm self-harming you acknowledge it and it's okay thank you for telling me that but let's look at what's happened. Mm, yeah, definitely. Let's So let's not focus on the self-harm in whatever shape that has taken. Um, you've told me. I'm holding it for you. Thank you. Now, what's happened? Mm -hmm. and, and and then that's it. That's it. There's there's no need to, to do things like inappropriate stuff, like um, being shocked, horrified is often a response, asking to see it. You know, it's, it's really, it's quite grim, the things that, that people think it's it's okay to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it just comes out of ignorance. And it's because self-harm, um, like I said, is such a, uh, people, uh, the people who self-harm feel it's so shameful. It's really hard to share that. Um, 
and it, it just it becomes like you said this massive mm. elephant in the room and what it needs is for an adult to just be able to acknowledge it and very gently hold that space and and allow that person to talk about whatever it is that's brought them to that i think that's quite important about focusing on self-harm as a symptom rather than something so so big in itself i can kind of understand why there is that kind of stigma about it because if you're not someone who mm-hmm. self-harms i can see why you would find it such an alien thing yeah that it's so shocking that you would want to harm yourself mm-hmm. for because obviously we're as animals supposed to be interested in our own in our own um survival and, and, and well-being mm-hmm. and things and that seems so counter to that so alien mm-hmm. to, to want to hurt yourself mm-hmm. you um, actually see it in animals as well animals who are who are caged um and separated from parents and things like that they, they actually start turning to self-harm um people uh, have talked about self-harm as being a form of control it's about having autonomy over yourself in actual fact um autonomy over what's happening in your life that may feel out of control and um yeah it is it's really hard for anyone who hasn't experienced self-harm it's very hard for them to understand what that can be like um how somebody can be so far removed from themselves so disassociated Mm -hmm. that to harm themselves feels like the only thing they can do that's a hard thing for somebody to understand but do you know what they don't need to understand that they just need to be able to hold the space to listen and allow that person a place to talk and to know how to direct them to better services or some kind of support. So how, how then have you been working with the young people that you have been working with um, to sort of break into the subject? Well, running a project like this has to be organised very, very carefully. Mm-hmm. And um, CONFAB, have uh, the organisation who's supported this project, have uh, very been very um, careful about contacting the right kinds of groups in the community to find some young people who would be interested and voluntarily want to explore this subject. Um, So it's about sending out clear information to different organisations and uh, and allowing the young people to make a decision themselves whether they want to be a part of it. in the act- and so we found we were lucky and we found a group and it wasn't easy to find a group because well it's a huge thing to ask of anybody mm. to to come to a group of people that you don't know and you're going to talk about something that you find shameful and feel guilty of and you know that people find really hard to hear all that stuff so we were lucky to find this group and um within the group you the first thing you have to do is create a safe space and there's a lot of work done around that creating a place that's comfortable where the group decide how this is going to work for them to make them feel safe enough and i think it's also about being um very open and clear about it and saying from the start we're going to talk about self-harm um but you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about if you don't want to see anything you don't have to see anything and it's just allowing people to to see whatever they feel they want uh whilst keeping themselves 
safe and that's that's about again that's the work around creating a safe space so it's um helping people to understand you know you i would say quite openly to them like you know your triggers so when we're talking make sure that you keep yourself safe by not talking about things that are going to be triggering for you because we don't want people to leave the group feeling awful the, the, we want the opposite um so um yeah I'm, I'm very experienced in doing that and in creating these kinds of safe spaces and the feedback from the group has been phenomenal they've really loved it um and they they really they've got a, a sense of empathy from each other none of them have ever talked about their self-harm with somebody of a similar age before um they found that really helpful um it, it's it's been a a very privileged experience for me to be able to sit in the room and and hold that space and allow them to tell their stories and, and give that give that time to them it's it's been pretty amazing i think they've been very courageous to do it i imagine it must be a, a sort of remarkable experience to because self-harm is something that as you said can be so isolating mm -hmm. to be able to connect with other people through art Mm -hmm. It's really, it must be a really valuable experience. Yeah. You said um, that you sort of bring in folk tales mm -hmm. um, in the work. How did you, how did you um, sort of intertwine that with the theme of self harm? So we entered upon this as the hero's journey. So uh, looking at the, the the hero's tale, I brought stories of resilience and hope and courage, and. I, I would tell a story and then just allow some space to reflect on the themes in that story and so the group just start to talk about how they felt what did that story mean to them did it resonate in any way and just you just open up discussions around it uh, how, how long did you spend working with the group uh, the, the um, we've had seven sessions um, it was meant to be eight, but we couldn't manage the eighth one, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to meet again after the events. Um, we'll meet again to have a kind of debrief in a, a couple of weeks time and, and just see how the group are. I know that they're really sad to be leaving and that they want the work to continue. So um, I think having a debriefing session will be really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, just yeah and um, part of the work with the group as well has been about asking them what what they think around the subject of language what what they think would have been helpful for somebody to ask them or a type of approach um, things that weren't helpful what they would like to see happen what would the toolkit look like for them and that's because the toolkit's not developed yet that's in the process just now so the purpose of the workshops as well is to help develop that toolkit so what will the the process look like you know post the the events that you're having uh, this week how will the the toolkit continue to develop uh well i'm working with an artist uh, josie valelli and she's um help she's been doing a lot of research on self-harm and pulling tons of information together and we've had meetings with different organisations to get their feedback, and um, we'll we'll be take, we'll be continuing with that process. Basically, um, we meet up and we talk about the language, and we look at you know 
um, what the toolkit's going to look like because um, it's, it's going to be something that's compact that you could keep in your, your wallet or your purse. Okay. Something small, um, kind of fold out credit card sized mm -hmm. thing that will yeah, be long. Yeah. And um, yeah, just, you know, what are the, the questions and statements that we can put on there so that it's just mapped out. It's the words that need to come out of your mouth when somebody says, I'm self-harming. I don't know what to do. And, you know, bingo. Mm -hmm. there, the words just come out because you've, you've got them there and, it, and it's entirely appropriate to open up the toolkit and say, right, and to just to read it because those words are going to be the right words. Um, the toolkit, though, will also contain information for the young person about what they might want to say how to disclose yeah of course it's something that's very hard to, yeah, to bring up yeah what that might feel like where they might want to do it you know to think about that not just blurting it out and in, in front of somebody but being a bit more prepared before you do it i think that's really really good like i had a friend who like self-harmed and then she told me but we were pretty young at the time like probably like 14 so you didn't know how to deal with it and I didn't really know how to help her but I did what I could to help her mm -hmm. and she would phone me if she needed me and stuff like that mm -hmm. but even in school when they would talk about it in like classes like PSE and stuff like that they don't really tell you anything they just mm -hmm. kind of like skim over it and then move on so I think what you're doing is helpful really yeah. helpful I found that in my PSE classes obviously I was in school you know a few years behind you but I didn't get anything about self harm Cell phone wasn't mentioned. They kind of just briefly, they can basically they just say it harms. Mm. They don't really give you any kind of how to deal with it if you are the cell, if you are the harmer or if you're have have a friend who's doing it or anything like that. They don't really help you. So the um, the final, I, I, I think I've said performances before, I don't know quite how to describe the events that you're having this week. What are they going to look like? Yeah, I would describe them more as sharings. Okay. More of a sharing, gathering kind of thing. Um, I feel it's very important that just for our group and maybe, yeah, just for our group, the feel that I've got is that it's, it's not a performance. Um, it's about sharing the experience of what we've done in the group. Um, what that's been like mm -hmm. and uh, they're, they're just being so courageous so you know we're going to have poetry we're going to have stories we might have a, an audience interactive thing we'll see it's, uh, we'll see how people feel as well because it's their event so it's up to them what, what they want to do um, with storytelling it's very much um, the way I work as well it's very improvised and it's led by the participants and I think it's really important even up to the last minute that people are allowed the option to opt in, opt out, mm -hmm. to change their minds um, and I'm there to support that. So if somebody decides that they, they can't read their story out or tell their story, I'm happy to do that for them if that's what they want. Um, but certainly I'll be talking about the project, what we've been, do been doing and what our hopes are for the future. And what are you hoping that the, the audience takes away from these events? A bit more um, awareness of self-harm. That experience of having met people who have self-harmed and they're yeah. still here. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're just like you and me. <laughs> you know, it's uh, 
it, it's uh, not as scary as you might think when somebody tells you that they're self-harming and it is actually something that you can cope with when somebody discloses that to you um, and to have some fun <laughs> and we've had a lot of fun and it, it's it sounds perverse but we've had a lot of fun in our group a lot of laughter a lot of good times it's not all doom and gloom mm -hmm. and i think that's very important yeah it sort of brings people well. together doesn't it mm -hmm. Increases yeah. sort of supportive atmosphere. You can have fun even around something as as awful as self harm. Yeah. It's perverse, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to to seeing it. Um, so the events are on at the Glad Cafe on Wednesday, the twenty sixth of October. It's in Shawlands, um from seven o'clock till eight o'clock, and then on the Thursday, the twenty seventh of October, at Stereo in Glasgow City Centre. And tickets are free. You can book them. Uh, by emailing rachel at admin at confab.org.uk and you can find our facebook page as well which okay. is called out of out harm, of harm. Uh, we'll put these details in the description of the episode as well um, mm -hmm. thank you for coming in to, to talk to us okay um, thank you for having me thank you for doing this interview and i'm sorry i'm not very vocal i just absorbing everything you're saying yeah. And he knows how to word questions better than I do. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, well thank you uh, for doing the project as well, especially as, yeah. as someone who has self-harmed in the past. It seems like such a valuable thing, and I hope yeah. that it does make some kind of substantial difference to... Well, my, my hopes for the future for this are that we'll get to do more of these workshops. Funding from somewhere, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> more of these workshops, more people being given the opportunity to share their stories mm. and have that experience. Um, and and try and roll this this toolkit tool out further afield, as far afield as we can go. Well, hopefully these um, events will help to sort of spread the word about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for talking to us. Thanks very much for thank having you. me. Thank <laughs> you.